Hi there. You're listening to 76 West, a podcast from the Lambert Center for Arts and Ideas at the Marley Meyerson JCC Manhattan. This season, we showcase all things books as part of the Lambert Center's Books That Changed My Life Festival. Books That Changed My Life is a new initiative that celebrates the transformational role books play in our lives through a celebration of literature and culture. To learn more about festival programming, visit book-festival.mmjccm.org. Do you judge a book by its cover? For better or for worse, I know I do. I'm Jason Blitman from the Lambert Center for Arts and Ideas, and on today's episode, I talked to Elizabeth Yaffe to learn about the process of designing book covers. Elizabeth is a book cover designer and animator. She currently works in the Viking Penguin Art Department at Penguin Random House. She has designed covers for authors including Amy Tan, Rebecca Mackay, Jamie Attenberg, Kevin Wilson, and more. She has animated covers for authors including Stephen King, Corolla Levering, Jesse Ball, and Chelsea Beaker. Originally from Philadelphia, she graduated from Pomona College with degrees in anthropology and media studies. And now please enjoy my conversation with Elizabeth. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so flattered to be asked. Thank you for being here. I have, I'm, I'm sorry. I judge books by their covers. <laughs> you know, as you should. It's, <laughs> it's an idiom. I don't think any idioms are meant to be taken literally. Like the idea of not judging a book by its cover. Like you judge idioms figuratively. And so I hope people realize that like there is thought that goes into book covers. We want you to look at the covers. We work really hard on them. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, you know, have a list of things I want to talk to you about. One of them, I will like, let's just dive in because, because we're here already. Like, (laughs) do you feel that pressure? Do you, are you like, oh, I have the pressure of people are going to be judging this cover. And that is my job. Like even before they get to the writer's work, they see yours. You know, sometimes yes. Like I worked on a book this past list that is by a pretty big named author. And I was like, oh, her last book did really well. Like I have to at least measure up to that. Um, so I think there definitely is that mental block. I find it mostly as I'm getting started, like after I've kind of done a couple things, like a couple options. Um, and there's so many, there's so many rounds that every cover goes through that by the time it's actually printed, you're like enough people have seen this and liked it that it's fine. If that makes sense. <laughs> totally. So the pressure is sort of off of you. Exactly. And it's, it's because other people have given the thumbs up for it. Exactly. And like, you know, at the very beginning, you are kind of working in a silo. And then there's so many kind of places that somebody could say, no, thanks. This isn't quite right. That by the time it goes to print, like somebody would have said it if it were terribly wrong. Yeah. No, that makes that makes sense, right? Lots of eyes have... Too many eyes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing too, right? Like at some point it could no longer have the initial impact or initial intention because too many people have given their notes or their feedback or have you had that experience? Absolutely. I think a lot of times that dep- like you find that it happens more in different genres of books. Um, where sometimes authors expect to be able to give more feedback or the sales team has more feedback. So like big name Mm -hmm. books, the sales team is going to kind of weigh in more. Um, You know, business authors tend to be used to kind of controlling their whole world and their visual language. And so we're going to, we defer to them. Um, 
so yeah, so it can definitely happen that kind of your original vision doesn't end up on the front of the Yeah, I also imagine reading only makes you judge a cover more, especially when you have not designed them. (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny. Like it's a, it's, it's really a different part of your brain. It's kind of like if you are reading for an English class, you're like looking for themes and metaphors and visual, like if you're designing for the cover, you're looking for visuals more than in in an English class necessarily. But then when you read for fun and like not for an English class, you can kind of let that go. So it is kind of a different when the cover's already there, you can kind of sit back and relax. (laughs) Uh It's so funny. You, along with obviously editors and other people um, that kind of are at the front line of books, if you will, um, you don't have an experience of judging the book by its cover because you don't have one yet when you're reading. Can you talk us through kind of the process of, of the beginning a little bit when it comes to what that's like? Sure. So when there is a manuscript, you know, we read most of the manuscript or all of the manuscript. For fiction, you always read the whole thing. For nonfiction, you can kind of get away with the introduction and the conclusion, depending on what the topic is. Like, did I read the 700-page biography of, like, Edgar Hoover? No. But um, do I read every novel? Absolutely. Um, And so you really start by reading whatever's available. And I, like I said, I read a lot like I did for English classes in high school and in college, like circling things that are important and starring things that like, I try to reserve stars for like, this is like a visual concept that I want to try. And then once I've read it and kind of annotated, like I did for classes, then I'll like sit down with a notebook and pull together all of my notes and I'll like list the stars in one place and the metaphors in another place. Um, And then that really helps me kind of distill where I want to start visually. Um, Sometimes I'll like, noodle around online and try to figure out like what visual language I want to, like, is it going to be a collage or an illustration? And then it's really about kind of distilling the book into a visual that you feel will represent kind of the contents. And, you know, at the point when you've like taken your notes and figured out kind of where you want to start, I find myself often looking at fonts. Um, And so I'll try to choose I'll, it it just feels like a very concrete place of like, I'm going to go through a folder of fonts and like pick some things that feel good. Um, and it's like a, another task that you can just cross off of a list that kind of feels like it gets me into gear of like thinking creatively. That's cool. Right. Like a, a bit of a, a tent post to start. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes it doesn't quite work that cleanly, mm-hmm. but I do like having a list. I like being able to be like, yes, I've done my font research here. <laughs> um, what are there things that you look for in particular? I I saw that Cortado is something that you often start with. Why is that? What is it um, about Cortado? Cortado just feels like a very kind of neutral, casual script. So I'll use it in place a lot. If I know I'm going to go back and hand letter something, I'll like try to lay it out with Cortado. It like doesn't feel too frilly. Sometimes it's a little too like thick and chunky, but it kind of works as a placeholder. And then sometimes I like to use it on actual Mm. covers too. Um, But I do like Cortado. It, you know, scripts are tricky, especially digital scripts. There's kind of a, you don't want it to Either you want it to look digital or you absolutely do not want it to look digital. There's kind of no, like, we're trying to trick people into thinking that this digital thing is handmade. Um, And so it feels like a good, kind of, it feels 
digital but still organic. Or if you read that interview, I try to re-letter it um, yeah. so that it is it does actually feel more handmade. And how often are you hand making something? Is it or like what's okay? So now you have your list. You have some semblance of visual identity in your mind. Then what? What do you put on a page? How many versions of something do you create before you show it to somebody? Um, is it is it all on the computer? Is it drawn? Is it digital? What is the art director responsible for? Like I I know nothing about this process, and so I'm so curious. <laughs> I mean, it, that's a tricky one to answer because I think it does really vary book to book. Mm. Um, I worked on this cool book this past list that was called How to Be Weird. And that I was like, I'm just going to close my computer for the day and like sit down with some markers and some construction paper and see, some paper clips, see what I come up with. Um, and that is completely hand done. You know, I scanned it, changed the colors in the computer, but kind of on the flip side, a lot of times I'll start on the computer finding fonts, kind of laying out a rough sensibility of how I want the type to fall. And then if I feel like, oh, I think that this should be hand lettered, then I'll kind of take that step and write it out in a notebook and scan it and all that. So I think it really varies project to project. Um, in terms of how mm-hmm. many, there's no set number. I think <laughs> personally, I tend to err towards more than I should. Like I tend to come up with more concepts than I probably need to. Um, and it can range any, like ultimately what we're presenting to the team can range anywhere from like probably six options is like, really on the low end of what you should show and then like anything up from there the relationship with the art director is it are they sort of guiding things are they shifting your ideas or is it really like your idea that's sort of presented to an art director who then says okay cool let's now take now now let's take the book in this direction or let's take the design in this direction or let's take this idea and XYZ, like what is that like? I think it, they always make it feel like it's your mm. idea. Um, and I have been lucky to have some great art directors, but you know, I will take them a PDF of like 15 to 20 things probably. And like, yes, that could be five ideas with like Variations, three different typefaces right, right, right. for yeah. each idea. Exactly. Or like two different colors or like whatever. And they will make suggestions that like, what if you tried this type of font instead of this type of font? Um, but I feel lucky that my art directors try to remain true to like the core of my mm-hmm. concept. Um, and if something isn't working, like, you know, I'm fine to have them say, it's not working. Like you have other stuff here that's better. Let's like save it in our back pocket. For another later. book, of course. Another book, or if this one goes south <laughs> for this book, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But yeah, so the art director's role is kind of your first person that you have to get to say yes to something Mm. um because i think i mentioned this you're really just like working on your own until the point when you're like i'm gonna hit send on this pdf to my art director um and then there are like lots more people who have to say (laughs) yes thereafter but they're kind of the first the first Mm -hmm. wall there and how at what stage in the publishing process is this so like how how on average how long before a book hits the shelf so we work about a year in advance on the cover. Um, and I'm terrible at remembering which season is when. I think we're working on fall 20-something. Right, fall of uh, 2020. But we work about a year. Fall of 2023, which would be like 
October, November, December of next year. Yeah. So we work, we work way in advance, which is especially for nonfiction, why, or for serial authors, why sometimes the book isn't available for us to read at the point when we're working on the cover. Because mm. it's like not done. <laughs> so then it's done. And yeah, so then it's done. And you, you have this like piece of art that you've created everywhere. What is that like? It's, you know, not only seeing it on shelves, seeing it on social media, seeing it on Good Morning America, or like it's, you know, I I don't want to say it's thankless because it's obviously not thankless. Like your work is inspiring people to buy the book in the first place or to open the book or pick up the book, right? But I think, you know, when people think of a book, their first thought is author, you know, but really it's like your visual art kind of parading around the world in a really cool way. What is that? How does that make you feel? What is that like? I mean, it feels great, (laughs) but um, I mean, like, not to like preach here. I do wish that they credited designers more. Like it's, it's a rare occurrence it's not rare but you know if there's a cover reveal like it's always great when the organization like cites whomever designed the cover or whoever did the art um because it's not thankless it's very cool to see it out in the world um it's great to like be in a bookstore with friends and have them be like i've seen so much about this book and you can be like i did that book um yeah so that's i mean personally it's so fun like i have sometimes a hard time with titles and authors and and it's the it's the cover that connects the dots for you, you know? And so it's this visual representation of a book. It's like, oh yeah, I know that book. Or, oh, that's the title, that's the author. I don't know what you're talking about. And you see the picture and it's like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I've seen that everywhere, right? And it's this- That is always the hope. <laughs> and it's the seeing it everywhere that is you. It's your work. I was in a used bookstore yesterday and- I was like going through the fiction aisle and I like pulled a handful of books and I was like, oh, oh my God, this is Elizabeth's. Oh, this is Elizabeth's too. Like it it was just very cool. Um, Well, that's very kind of you. And I think that that's really what I like about doing book covers is you do feel like there's, you have ownership over mm -hmm. the project. Like, of course it is the author's work. Um, Of course the art director helps a whole lot. Um, but you can go into a used bookstore and say like, that's mine. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I did that. Um, and I think that sense of ownership is what really drew me to book cover design in that's the first very place. Cool. Your work in particular, I've noticed is very, um, relies a lot on, on type, on typeface, on fonts, not relies a lot. That sounds, I don't mean for that to sound condescending. No, no, no. That's, you, that's like a Your compliment. style you. seems to be very like. Well. But your style is 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 about the words in a way that I think other covers are like, let me have this interesting visual. Not that yours don't have interesting visuals, they do, but uh, but they are more often than not about the the layout of the text. Is that intentional? Do you, would you say that's your style? You know, would I say that's your style? <laughs> I don't I think I think one of the things about being a good designer is about being able to kind of like drop into any project and give the book what it needs as a cover. Um, so I would hate to say that I have like a specific style per se. Um, but, you know, back to kind of how the first thing I often do after I've read and taken notes and all that is to go through typefaces and try, and you asked, and I think we got cut off, but just try to find a, f- 
typeface that feels like the right emotion for the work, mm-hmm. um, whether that means something from the correct time period or that feels there's like a big book look. Um, there are certain fonts that kind of evoke that sensibility. Yeah. Um, so. No, that's really interesting. I don't have anything like to summarize <laughs> beyond that. No, but I think <laughs> there it's it, it's interesting to know that that is often your first go-to is let me look at fonts because in looking at your body of work to know that that's where you kind of get your initial nugget of inspiration, it's it's kind of clear. And I think a very cool um, thing to see across your covers, um, which is really cool. Are, the, very are nice. there other trends that you are aware of that you've noticed that you feel like are very hot right now that, or are there trends that are kind of discussed in the back end that you, that people are noticing? Like, I'm very curious to get your perspective. <laughs> sure. So there are always trends in everything. Um, and I know there's been a lot of like internet talk about like book blobs and in particular, um, which is kind of a an illustrated cover that uses an abstraction in kind of an interesting way. Um, I think there are trends. I think when we start a new project, we get what are called comp titles, comparative titles that are like, this is kind of the shelf that we want this book to Mm. sit in. And so I think that that is kind of where trends arise in the book cover world is sometimes you can get away from that. Sometimes you end up hewing pretty close to it. Um, so yes, there are trends. Sometimes you, you have to like play into the trend. Like it's what's working. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, well, so. And you know, I think, I think bright colors are a trend. I think handwritten type is a trend. Uh, um, but I think they both have their places. Yeah. Um, For me, speaking of handwritten type, the thing that I feel like I've noticed the most is a novel with an underline that's like looks handwritten like that it's you know oh i would say it almost always is handwritten. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like yeah i mean jason and that, and elizabeth's novel or jason and elizabeth's story <laughs> a novel is a is, novel <laughs> right and i think i think that you know like a touch of handwriting can lend a sense of warmth to a cover mm-hmm. a sense of like humanity um it gives it this kind of other dimension of like handmadeness that I think maybe in reaction to how much we're all on the computer today, Mm. putting something that feels or is handmade on a cover can kind of give it a warmer feel. That's interesting. And I think like balancing it as the subtitle or as the, a novel or as the pull quote from the review or whatever, like is, is giving a nod to the, homemadeness without the whole thing feeling that way. Um, well, because the other thing that you're kind of fighting against is it needing to be legible, mm-hmm. um, which if you're writing the title or the author's name, especially if the author has kind of an unexpected, unusual name, you have to be able to mm-hmm. read it. Um, it's kind of obviously the primary goal is to be. making sure it's legible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know this has been discussed in articles everywhere, but the idea that people are shopping for for books on their phone and it needs to be legible as a thumbnail. Mm. Everything we present, we show as like a large size and then a little thumbnail so that kind of the whole team can see what it will look like when it's wow, tiny. Wow, that's interesting. Um, and, you know, 
I love a handwritten mm-hmm. cover, but it's not as legible. <laughs> no, I love it too. And I, and I, you're right. I think it does evoke some sort of warmth that is not something that we're always accustomed to. Um, another, I think, trend slash conversation that, you know, is maybe a little controversial, but is, is about gender, you know, and like what a, a quote unquote woman's book looks like versus a man's book, what a universal looks, what a universal book looks like versus, sure. you know, something that has a targeted audience. Um, is that something that you okay. deal with? Is that something that you talk about? You know, I think, again, it comes down to kind of where you want the book to sit, like who, which shelf. books you want the book to sit mm. with on the shelf. Um, you know, did we have a conversation a week ago about like a pink cover feeling too feminine? Yes. Did the art department fight, try to fight back against that? Like also, yes, because I think there are stereotypes that we need to play against and you can't assume that a pink cover isn't going to get picked up by a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that really holds anymore. You wouldn't mm-hmm. say the same thing about a blue cover. Um, right. So I think there are kind of those tropes out there. I think, you know, different people have different opinions on it. And we kind of talked about all of the different places that somebody could say no to a design. Um, And so I think just you try to fight against it as much as you can. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. I I have not thought about it as where do you want it to sit on the shelf? Because on one hand, you want them to be cousins and not identical. Um, but on the other hand, you, right. You like want it to stand out on its own, but you don't want it to be an anomaly either. Um, so it's complicated. Well, the art department is fine with anomalies. Like other departments feel slightly different. Oh, right, right, right. We like when something like is weird and stands out. Absolutely. That's always our goal. Right. But if you're selling a romance novel, I would imagine that, you know, your marketing team, the, you know, independent sellers, the independent book buyers, like want it to look like a romance novel, you know, which is challenging. You know, I have been very lucky to work on some cool books that don't necessarily play into one side mm-hmm. or the other. And so mm-hmm. when you say that, like, looking at my website, it doesn't feel particularly like this is a book for a man or this is a book for a woman. I think that that's for a woman. I think that that's also a factor of the books that I've gotten to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a really great range of books kind of for everybody. Yeah. No, that's really cool. You, you'd mentioned the, you've mentioned not multiple times, the amount of people that oh. lay eyes on, oh no, no, just it, that so many people lay eyes on, on they a do. cover before yes. it gets approved, which I think is, so who are these people? Can you talk us through that a little bit? And also like, at what sure. point does the author chime in? And, you know, I know that it varies book to book, but you know, what of is course. the experience like working with an author versus not with an author or, you know, kind of whatever? Sure. So kind of, you design on your own and then you show it to your art director. Um, and once your art director okays it, it goes to a meeting. And the meeting is usually the editor, the marketing, the, the head of marketing um, and the publisher. And kind of any of them can, can be like, this doesn't feel quite right. And then you're like back to square zero. Um, and then kind of once you've passed that benchmark, then it then the editor sends it to the author and involves the author in the conversation. And like, mm. again, the author can be like, this doesn't feel quite right. Like, what else have you got? And like, so kind of at any point along this trajectory, you can end up back at, like, at the very beginning on your own, just designing. Um, But so then once the author has approved, then it goes to a sales meeting and the sales team weighs in on it. And I 
don't get to, like, as a, as a kind of staff designer, I don't go to the sales meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get feedback from the editorial team, from the publisher, from my art director. Um, and so then the sales team signs off on it. And once they've signed off on it, then you're pretty much in the clear. Wow. Um, so That's crazy. And that, like, it could go through all of those stages. And then the sales team could be like, mm, we're not going to be able to sell this like this. And then you're back to square zero again. And then... He- in a worst case scenario, yes. Sure, sure, sure. You hope that the sales feedback is like, we love it. It's perfect. Um, and like on the lesser end, you hope that the sales team is like, could you make a novel a little bigger? Because um, that's mm. like, you can you can, you can, can work with that. You had mentioned that you preferred designing for fiction. Can you, can you talk about why that is? Sure. Um, so I... Not just that, that doesn't mean you don't like designing for nonfiction. <laughs> no, so no, no, let's no. just make that very clear. I'm just curious. Um, no, I I just like designing books. Period. Right, right. I don't, like I am very grateful to be able to do it, but I do prefer <laughs> fiction. Um, I that's what I like to read. You know, mm. I am a fiction reader. Um, I'm not a nonfiction reader, like by any stretch of the imagination. So it's fun for me to kind of sit down and read a novel and kind of, I think there's oftentimes more kind of, you can get a little bit more conceptual with it. You can kind of come up with an idea and justify it however you want in a way that works better for a novel than nonfiction Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Um, So I think you can experiment more with fiction. Um, And and I do mean a certain type of like kind of more literary fiction, Um, like like I said, I'm really lucky to have gotten to work on the books that I get to work on. And so I don't mean romance novels. I mean, like... No, you, like, get to... You get to flex your English class muscles exactly. in, in the work that you're doing, which I don't... Which there is a lot of value in novels that you don't need to do that. Um, but you, a lot of what you do does get to do that. And so there is like a, a bit of a robust, um, kind of intellectual component, I think, to the work that you're doing. That's a really good way to put it. I'll <laughs> save that for my next, my next thing. But, but yeah, I think, I feel like a, a lot of novels, you can read it and come up with a concept and kind of justify it. However you can like, yes, this is a plant that looks like a spine. Like clearly that should be the cover. It's mm-hmm. like, um, in a way that's a bit more abstract and academic. Do you not to, um, not to ask you the tough questions, but do you have a favorite child? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm looking at my bookcase again. Um, I is, do or is it like something that you, oh, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a beautiful cover. Thank you. Um, you know, I really like the covers where I can kind of hide an Easter egg in the cover. So I think I've, in that essay about Chouette, I talked about this, but there are lots of little illustrations kind Mm -hmm. of sprinkled throughout or kind of has a similar illustrative sensibility. Um, Walk the Vanished Earth has a couple little Easter eggs in there. Um, So I do like the covers where I can hide something. That's really fun. Are there any... Um, Or the orchard, they're those faces. They're not quite as hidden, but... Mm -hmm. Do you have Easter eggs that maybe are like true Easter eggs that nobody even knows about or like is there um, like a color that you've used because it's your mom's favorite color or so you know like are there little <laughs> nuggets walk of Anastasia is the one that comes to mind uh-huh. um the uh, 
the book, part of it is set on Mars. And so they see constellations upside down. And if you are very astute, you can find an upside down Orion constellation in the pattern of the stars. Oh, that's cool. um, And like, absolutely nobody would recognize that unless I told them. Yeah. That's totally, that's exactly what I was talking about. So, I love that. There you go. No, I, had, I don't think I've like hidden any favorite colors or anything. Um, <laughs> well, your next no. book should include your mom's favorite color. So just, you there know. you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask. Okay, the time has come for me to ask the most difficult question of the day. Okay. What is a book that changed your life? Ugh, okay, so you warned me about this over email, and all week I've been like, oh, what is it? What is it? And I think I have settled on, it's not going to be like highbrow or academic, but no. um, the Philip Pullman trilogy, the His Dark Materials, um, I think is really just like, I remember reading it as a kid. I love the story. My freshman seminar was about it. Like, it has kind of followed me all the way through, and I still love it today. Is there something in particular about it that speaks to you? I think it's really just like a very immersive story. And I think it kind of grows up like as you read it at different points, you can take different things from it. So like as a fourth grader, when I read it, I took something different than when I read it for my like college freshman seminar. And Yeah, that's really interesting. I think... I don't think enough people, myself included, go back to some of the books that we read at a formative time in our lives to re-experience that and also see what we can take from it today. I don't either, which is why I decided it was influential, because I have. It's like one yeah. of the few that oh, made it so through. cool. Congrats on all of the Thanks. upcoming books. I'm, I was so excited to look through your site, look through all of the things oh, that have not gotten you. to the site yet. Um, some of them are, I mean, all of them are exciting. Some of them are like very exciting. So congrats. I'm thrilled for thank you. you. Um, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy to meet you. I, lovely to meet you too. Thank and you. I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Conversations at the JCC are made possible by Zabars and Zabars.com. The Books That Changed My Life Festival is made possible thanks to the Harold and Fang Foundation, the Israel Office of Cultural Affairs, the Consulate General of Israel New York, PJ Library, and in partnership with the Jewish Book Council. You can shop the festival books with our partner, Books Are Magic, a family-owned independent bookstore in Brooklyn committed to being a welcoming, friendly, and inclusive space for all people. 76 West is produced by Udi Ehrman and me, Jason Blitman. Our editor is Matt Temkin, with music written and performed by Peril Wolf. We'll be back in two weeks with another behind-the-scenes look at the world of books. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us at the festival. Check out book-festival.mmjccm.org. Until next time.